Hello and welcome to Motor Cult Podcast, episode 71. I'm Eric Berger, also very obtuse, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, sir. Hi, I'm obtuse. <laughs> we know. We all know that. That's probably why other people keep coming back to is, this podcast. Is this the um, Patreon episode? <clears throat> it is. As, as we promised them on Monday? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some non-Patreon tangential crap in here, just because that's kind of how we operate, but... The main point of this one is I'm taking uh, just one of the few that we have that are would normally take multiple episodes to cover okay. kind of poorly and just kind of working it into one episode. Okay. So this may end up with a little bit shorter than average episode. We'll see. Uh, who knows with our tangents. I, I don't know. But I figured we should probably actually get to it because there are some episodes where we don't touch on a Patreon topic at all. Yeah, like, like last time. But I mean, we're kind of making up for it. So anyway... Um, <laughs> Totally making I'll, up for I'll it. take the first one then, I guess, since you started the episode. Okay. If you could take any classic car and EV swap it, what would it be and why? So how, would you seek range, dynamics, or speed as priorities? How are we defining classic car? I imagine eligible for collector plates. Okay. So we're years talking at least 20 older. years. Okay. So with a classic car, I'm guessing this is not something we're going to use as a daily then. So I got to kind of put myself in that mindset. I would probably say it has to perform better than it did from the factory. I would do a second-gen Toyota MR2. That'd be very cool. It's actually got quite a bit of space where you could jam batteries in it. It wasn't that light a car, so a little extra weight's probably not going to hurt it. I would take a 1919 Detroit Electric. It's it's already... But it could be better. And... but it's already an EV. Can you, can you show everybody what a 1919 Detroit electric looks like? Yeah, it'll bear, be bear with me. Hilarious. On the plus side, those things could probably handle a bunch of battery weight. Yes, they could. Oh, for <laughs> Pete's sake, hit that pre-war bell. <laughs> Look at that ridiculous thing. <laughs> I actually really like the greenhouse on it. Yeah, it's really cool. If you put, like, modern axles, wheels and tires and suspension, and, like, iconed it so the wheels actually kind of look like that, it would probably handle super nice. If you put, like, a 165 series, like, the tire for a BMW i3, like, that tire with, like, not that wheel, but with, like, an RS1 Navi-style wheel. Oh, God. You know, you know the wheel I'm talking about. The, the wheel We've f- looked at yeah. Watanabe's on this podcast. Yes. Yeah, so it, like uh, the Mini Light or whatever their English version is. Um, those wheels, and then, yeah, some still skinny tires, and a Tesla drivetrain would be hilarious in that. I think we're going to actually need some brakes. It's got rears. I think we're probably going to need four-wheel brakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, also, I, of all note, this thing's 100 fun. years old. Yes, it is 100 years old. Is Wednesday after January? Is that January now? Uh, this will probably drop right around New Year's, so we're going to say that this is 100 years old. It's it's not quite 100. Okay, it's fine. It's like a couple days short of... Maybe this was a prototype made in 1918. That That, that is very true. Maybe model years back in the day yes. were the same as they are now. Uh, no, that that was uh, the first thing I thought of. I thought it would be hilarious to do that, is take a really old electric car and then give it modern electric stuff and make it just ridiculous. Honestly, I like that more than 
most things you could have chosen. <laughs> Thank you. And it's pre-war, so I don't particularly care for it. But all oh. right, so your, and your goal behind doing that is just to be like, hey, look, it's an EV. It's also still an EV, and it's a hot rod. I, to be honest, though, I could not bring myself to do that with the actual chassis, so I'd probably make a clone of one. Which will take all of 20 minutes with some wood and, like, steel sheets. Oh, this one's already been converted. <laughs> it has four lead-acid car batteries in the back. Yes, so it actually will drive. Uh, I am actually really curious what that thing had for a motor. I assume it's just a pretty basic motor right on the front of the differential. Yeah, it is. It's just a... Um, I'm not sure if it's a... Oh, you know what? It might be a DC, actually. I'm not sure what kind of motor it is. Probably is it probably is a DC brush motor. Yes, yeah, so you could brush DC Actually, motor. it has to be. They didn't have brushes motors back then. Yeah, so yeah. Those were a much later invention. In fact, brush now, motors. Not only were... that, I don't think AC electricity was really a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 1919? Yeah. It had to be on the cusp. No. No, it was definitely a thing. When did uh, Nikola Tesla do his whole thing with that, making the AC motors? Uh, well, AC existed before AC well, motors. AC's always existed. AC generators, no, I know, but like AC generators have been around a lot much, a lot longer because they okay. could they could do it for a long time, but they couldn't do it cost effectively. Oh yeah, I hear that too. Is that my phone? It must be. Yeah, uh, I think that was only in the headphones. So, um, so how they did it before they had multiple phase inducers to get motors going. I mean, the the commutator would be split up into separate sections in multiple phases. And they could they could produce power to be consumed in AC phases, but they couldn't make it chooch again. They couldn't put that into a motor for the mm. longest time, just because they didn't have it quite figured out. So with okay. the, with the advent of like three phase AC motors and brushless kind of stuff, you can do that, but you need magnetic sensors and computer control. So yes, that didn't come around until pretty recently. So yeah, this thing with like it's definitely decent even a that. fifty kilowatt AC synchronous motor and a couple of kilowatt hours of battery would be insane. Way in excess of what it was originally able to do. Oh yeah, it'd be great, and it's really top heavy. It'd be hilarious to do a burnout in it. That actually would be really hilarious. But you would need front wheel brakes to do a burnout. That's true. The brakes yeah. are only on the rears, so it probably hooks up pretty decent. That thing can't weigh much. No, not at all. It's like, I think like twenty five hundred pounds. So how how many? Okay, so like the the Tesla drivetrain you're gonna use. I mean, those things have like the. I think they're like one and a half kilowatt hour a piece. These wafers you can stack. So like, how many of those you can put actually? In you know what? I wouldn't even have to do that. I could use the rear axle out of a uh, Toyota Highlander hybrid because the rear axle just has an electric motor on it. True. That's like the RX400H, so, right? Yeah, I yeah. would. I would do that, and then because that'd make, that'd simplify the Plenty hell of out power. Of <laughs> tons of power. But you could use a front wheel drive transaxle, shortened yeah. shaft. But I would. I, I'd want to keep it. I would want to keep the solid rear axle. Well, then you may as well just take a a commercially available like compressor drive motor or something, and then just stick it on the end of yeah. the diff. I'm, that would work. Or leave it DC. I mean, you, uh, that's a lot tougher actually. Most modern motor controllers that are any good are AC. What my goal with it, though would yeah. be, I'd want to look like I'd, I wouldn't want to look modern. I'd want to, right. I'd want to look like somebody probably did it. You right, know, maybe in like the 40s or something. And I'm guessing the original motor is so big you could hollow it out and put the AC synchronous motor inside the original one. I'd want to do an upgraded differential too. And it looks like that's yeah, a pretty big diff. That, I that's think pretty massive. I'd probably put like a nine inch like guts into it. Just put it, yeah, like a curry nine inch center section painted up to look like that. Yeah, you wouldn't even tell. Honestly, making 
like really discreet brakes, I think would be the toughest thing. You'd probably have to get some like racing drums. Actually, yeah, I wonder. Hmm. I wonder if I could do like an inboard sort of thing. Probably could on the back. Well, you, yeah, you could put it probably just in front of the motor in the back, but the how, front I don't know. How's well? I'm, I wouldn't do front then. I would just do the rear. How are you gonna do burnouts? You just let it rip. This guy got twenty series tire on that. Those tires will start spinning and do nothing. Yeah, but all the weights in the back. Yeah, they're still gonna just start spinning and do nothing. That thing probably has a twenty eighty weight distribution. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um. With your overweight mother-in-law in the mother-in-law seat that yeah. points at you. In and the somebody front. sitting under the hood, which has nothing in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I wonder if... How how big were the brakes on the first-generation Prius or Insight? Uh, the disc brakes. I'm guessing they're probably nine-point-something inches. Probably I wonder if you small. could. I wonder if you could fit the disc brakes inside the drum of you that. Could, you could make, like, a shroud, I'm sure. Yeah, that, yeah that would be I cool. think that's probably a good idea. Yeah, Either get, disc. like, a high-performance drum... Like, yeah. even a modern 10-inch drum would be fine. Because well, then I'd get the regenerative braking, too. Right, and that's probably what you would use most of the time, just on the rear axle regenerative brake. But I still think, I mean, if you're adding even a 75 horsepower, which I don't know what the Highlander Hybrid RX400 rear axle motor is rated at, but... Those are, like, 12 horsepower, so, yeah, you're going to have a massive... It's going to be fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fast. So I think with that, I mean, you could you could probably get 50 miles of range out of it with 10 kilowatt hours. So that'd be five of those. Well, we'll say seven of those Tesla wafers. Seven of them. Okay. Which I mean, that would fit just in that rear cavern probably with no problem. And well, then could you could, could, you could you put more into the hood too? Could yeah. You, yeah, you could also stack. That's all they're done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or you could build your pack at 18650s. But the beauty of the Tesla ones is they have battery management built in. Nice. There you go. So really nice really for easy. thermal runaway situations. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's probably what I would use for my MR2 conversion. Although I would take that, uh, I think I showed you that 400 horsepower three-phase motor on that cobalt transaxle. Yes, I would put that in there, <laughs> and then I would I would just get I'd probably get two first-gen Chevy Volt packs because those are super cheap, and that would give me 32 kilowatt hours. So what about the Leaf battery? They are not nearly as cheap. Really, they're bigger, but they're not. So I know. Cheap. I know that people have been using them for yep. uh, first-gen insights, and making... they're great because they're so compact. Yeah, and they're that, very that's rectangular. The... It, and that's that's actually why it came to mind is you could put them in there, and you, you could fit them out a lot yep. more efficiently into that trunk. So. You can uh, with the Volt Pack. You got to take it apart and rearrange it, which is not the end of the world. Yeah, but I mean, you're getting 16 kilowatt hours I'm for also, about a thousand bucks. I'm versus... also building a, the car from scratch too because I don't want to actually have to tear apart a real Detroit Electric, I'd feel gross doing that. And again, like you're saying, you could replicate one of these for nothing. Yeah, so. I mean, look at it. It's a phone booth. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a phone booth with like a keg stuck on the front and a trunk stuck in the rear and then like... A weird big differential in the a back. A really big differential and somebody just stuck all of it on top of like a carriage. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and there's an electric motor in there somewhere. Yeah, so that... I mean, just look at that side profile. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really, really hilarious. Because also, you sit in the back seat on it, like the driver's seat is in the back. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's got the this thing called a mother-in-law seat, which... Uh, oh, you're, that's actually a thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. So, like, in a two-seater car, they had a flip-out front seat that faced the two-seater. Oh. So, if you take a girl on a date... Oh, these are much better photos. Yeah. So, if you take a girl out on a date, um, her mother comes with her. So she knows that you're not fooling around in the car. Oh, for Pete's sake. 
Yeah, real life thing. Oh, you are not kidding. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, mother in law see it. Why? Okay, what are the bars coming um, up? The front one, the one forward of you, that's... Wait, st- do you drive it from the back? Yeah. Oh. So that front one is the steering tiller, and then what the brown handles, the uh, throttle. And then right there below the seat, you can see the is brake, the brake pedal. pedal. Yep, you can see the brake pedal down there. I don't like old things. I think that would be absolutely hilarious to watch somebody oh, be actually fast with that. Check that EV conversion. That's pretty cool. Look at the floor. This is literally made of wood. It is, and you they're, can they're make, not held down at all. <laughs> yeah, you really can just, like, make it out of nothing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I told you, a mother-in-law seat. Oh, wow. I guess that, that's the breakup there. So I wonder what the other thing was. I wonder if that was, like, a parking brake or something. Yeah. Also, note that's got, like, a clutch in it. Yeah, is that maybe it's a multiple speed? Maybe it's no. a two-speed rear end. No, I bet it's probably got a clutch. So when you're braking, it disconnects the electric motor. Maybe. Oh, I wish there was a picture of the drivetrain. Yeah, it, but that's a really sold cool for thirty thousand dollars. Oh, it's so affordable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it, it said the horsepower. 4.3 horsepower. I was way off. I am so sorry. So yeah, that's... 84-volt DC motor, the five-speed controller. Okay, so there you go. <clears throat> Solid front axle, live rear, with semi-elliptical leaf springs. Uh, two-wheel mechanical brakes, perfect. So your stopping distance will be measured in football probably fields. Probably handles nice, though, 100-inch wheelbase. Yeah. It's probably really nimble. Oh, my goodness. Detroit, okay. Detroit B-Type Electrics were introduced in 1915, so 100 years old. Okay, yeah, it's a 100-year-old car. But, yeah, that that would be my number one choice for EV swapping. Actually, I kind of want to do it in real life. I wonder, so that's how much a nice one is, like a driver version is. 30. That thing had, like, original interior, yeah. Yeah. So, so I wonder, it, you could probably find one that needs a restoration for, like, the same price as, like, a Rocket 88. Oh, EV West actually makes a conversion kit for the second gen mr2 already it's seventy five hundred dollars and that doesn't include a, uh, a battery that's actually not bad though it's not terrible i mean the the mounting plate and the controller also i love the ev west is still around right that's, like, that's super cool um how m- much power does it say it makes uh how's a shunt a shunt is a uh cutoff oh, okay that is a good question. We need to figure out how much power this makes. I don't I really want to watch that I video. guess it's based on your battery. And no, it should be based on the controller. So it's a 650-amp controller. That's a lot. 96 volt. It's only 12 more than that Detroit Electric. That is actually surprisingly low. I mean, usually the, the battery system is running like 400 volts on these things. Throttle control. Toyota Prius Hall Effect. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how many... Oh, wait. Is there a dynograph? Is that what that is? I think so. I'm guessing it's pretty strong. Stop going over. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so... Horsepower. Up to 140. So you're going to lose power. That's battery voltage. Torque. Volt. What the heck? Okay, okay. Horsepower is the red line. 70 horsepower. Get out of here. What? No way. It, what's the 654.9? DC current. How do you know that? It says there at the bottom is a legend. Oh. <laughs> this is terrible. That's not worth eight grand. Not at all. What the, 
Anyway, so I'm going to build Let's my say, own conversion. I, I want to stop for a second. EV West started out making conversions that are faster than the original engine. That was their whole thing. Yeah. What and the this, hell? Th we must be missing something. I mean, that motor looks fairly skookum. Is that like, it must be, how do you get that low power? I don't know. That's, that's less than half of what my Fiat 500E makes, and that motor is tiny. That's less than half of what the standard MR2 NA. made. Yeah. NA MR2. What the heck? So anyway, I wouldn't use their kit, but I would, I would EV swap, a second gen MR2. Yeah, that'd be very cool. There you go. All right, second one. This one touches on commutes, so a completely, completely, completely different topic. Um, and it says most people have highway and city street commutes, and to that effect, does it really matter what you drive for these types of drives? And furthermore, which situations, um, to you, do you notice it most when you drive something fun on your work commute? So, I mean, this was written by Scott. So he owns that 996.2 Carrera 2 six-speed, and he also has a Honda Element. He commutes on the Honda Element, and he says that it's really no different because he's in traffic the whole time. He's in city streets the whole time, so you really can't take advantage of the performance or the uh, handling. So do you think, or sorry, in your opinion, um, does it matter if you drive something fun on your commute? Yes. So the question elaborate. is, what is fun though? Well, and that's the thing, because I mean, I th my 500e is a blast around the city streets. This is called slow car fast or fast car slow. Exactly, and I think that's what we should be going at. Like, yeah, I would much rather drive a car with 80 horsepower than I would a car with 400 horsepower on my commute. So, or, or here's a better question. Okay. All right. So two cars that make roughly the same amount of power but are totally different. Let's look at, like, a Ford Aspire. Oh, jeez. Okay. A really awful vehicle. Yeah, that's a terrible car. Uh, versus, say, like, a Geo Metro four-cylinder. Oh. The thing is, the Metro's going to be more fun to drive. Uh, but the Aspire's going to have, like, creature comforts. No, they're literally the same. They were both sub-$10,000 cars. Uh, they have zero creature comforts, both of them. And actually, the can G we just compare one of them to a Mitsubishi Mirage so we can elect the Mitsubishi Mirage, well, the commute champion? The, the, this, is what, this is what I'm, I'm getting at. The Ford Aspire has rear drum brakes and super small front brakes. and So does the Geo Metro. But the Ford Aspire has solid beam axle rear suspension. Yeah. The thing is, the Geo Metro, though, has larger brakes than the Ford Aspire. Has a has a independent rear suspension, unlike the Ford Aspire, has a shorter ratio transmission, unlike the Ford Aspire. The Ford Aspire is made entirely for fuel economy only and nothing else. The Geo Metro, yes, but comes from the roots of Suzuki's hot hatch that they made, the Cultus. So I would say you get something that's going to be slow, but the rest of the chassis has a sporty element to it. Because then you're going to have a car that can be fun. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but that doesn't really answer the question. So, does it really matter what you drive for these types of drives? So, yes. Yeah, it does. So, you're saying That's the car don't you're... look at specs, actually go drive it and find something interesting. Find something so that you... Let's equate yeah. this to modern CVs then. Okay. So, like, I think this is talking about, like, most people commute in equinoxes and rogues, where they could buy a Mazda CX-5. Yeah. So in that case, they're equivalent on paper, but one's actually not going to make you want to kill yourself driving. Exactly. Like the CX-5. And that's the difference. 
that's why I have the car that you daily commute in actually matters because you oh, have totally you spend, does. You spend most of your time driving in that thing. Yeah, like I don't drive my other cars that much. Like I drive right. my Mazda every single day. There's a reason I'm putting coilovers in it because I want to actually enjoy. I thought you weren't driving. supposed to modify your daily. No, you do minor minor stuff. Oh, okay, and it's actually not modification; it, it's maintenance. Maintenance, yeah, because <laughs> the stock struts are awful, and the coilovers are about three hundred dollars cheaper than doing struts and springs right, and right. all the associated mounts and stuff. So, so, with that, keeping on the vein of the CUV, I hate it, but I mean, this is it's touching on the question. So, what situations in a commute? do you most notice the difference between a washing machine like a Rogue and something that's actually enthusiastic like a CX-5? You know when you're on the highway and you have those metered stoplights? Yes. This will be the only time you can ever have fun in your entire commute. You just ringing it out? Yeah, you ring it out. Well, it'll be uh, what about lot. like finding a gap in like city traffic? And that's the other thing. Like do you have the confidence? Do you have the confidence in your brakes, tires, suspension, powertrain to be responsive? Like exactly. Like a CVT Rogue? Uh-uh. I'm not doing any sort of daring moves. No. But with a CX-5, especially if it's got a manual. I'm thinking my commute to work is at 7.30 to 7 to 8 a.m. Okay. Monday through Friday. Yep. On Highway 100 northbound to 394 eastbound. It is some of the worst traffic in the Twin Cities. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds terrible. That commute, if I take that same commute at midnight, will take me 10 minutes. Takes me half an hour. I go to work just before 6 a.m. So, yeah. You so, mi- I don't you fight miss, traffic. Yeah, you miss most of it. I have one cloverleaf on my way to work. But that's the thing is I have uh, 100 394, mm-hmm. which is that metered kind of on-ramp. Yeah. I alternatively can take the HOV lane. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, 394 to 494 westbound, okay. which is one of the most fun on-ramps. It goes to the... It has a right, a banked right turn, and a banked You're left turn. You're talking 394 to 490? To 94, north, northbound. You know when it loops around downtown Minneapolis? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that one. That that's good. a great corner. Nobody ever drives on that section of road, but it is pretty fun. Yeah, no, that, that's the thing. There's nothing to drive to, unless you're an artist. But... Um, <laughs> <God. laughs> or you live in North Minneapolis. Yeah, unless you're poor and artist. Um <laughs> Which are also not mutually exclusive. <laughs> they are usually the same thing. Uh, but no, that that commute right there is why so, I would, you know, elect something like a Mazda, you know, CX seven or CX five compared right. to a Rogue or a. Uh, so what pilot. At, what feature of your car is most important to you for your commute? You know, for me, it's handling. I would take handling because. Really, having 300 horsepower, having 120 horsepower, yeah, your zero to 45 is gonna be pretty close. It's Mine not gonna be that big of a deal. Is how fast it gets heat in the morning. That's huge. That that's really the only thing I care about I in my commute. That, that actually that is actually more important. <laughs> how fast does it heat up? That's seriously important because I mean, a lot of the time, like when I, I drove my Boxster a couple of times to work, awful. It took five miles to get warm air out of the I, vents in that car. I sold my CRX because it was awful. Like that, the Fiat got hot heat instant. Yeah, that's the I, best commuter I've ever owned. Uh, my favorite one was my Civic Si because the heater core is so oversized for the rest of the car. <laughs> it, you will, it's half the cooling envelope of the gets car. So hot that you can take your thumb and push it up against the vent I feel and like leave Hondas a thumb do pretty print. well. 
Yeah. The, the element, the old one anyway. That thing heated up faster than any internal combustion engine vehicle I've ever been in. Exactly. And the, the new one doesn't heat up quite as quick, which is kind of weird. Weird. Yeah, it's got to be a thermostat change or something. But um, anyway, no, my, neither here nor my there. Mazda 5 heats up reasonably fine. Within five minutes, it's fine. That's and that's good. even with a partially stuck open thermostat. Oh, jeez. Stuck open, so I'm not too worried. Well, that's how they fail. That's their failure mode. That's why they do that. I'm okay with that. Why does my laptop say it has 5% battery? This poor thing, man. Service battery is what it says. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. <clears throat> um, Next one. Yeah. So I, I would say, yeah, heat's really important and then handling. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's completely different envelope of like what I care about on the commute. Actually, you know what? Weight. The weight of the vehicle hand, hand, matters more. Cause on your commute? Yeah. Because if you think about it, a lightweight car is going to be more fun than a heavy car. So you just want something nimble. Yeah, nimble. Okay, sure. that's, 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 that's handling. That's handling. Yeah. But uh, that's why I would take a Mitsubishi Mirage over a Nissan Versa. Oh, God, yeah. Because it's 400 pounds lighter. <laughs> it's going to be very noticeable that when is, you have 100 horsepower. Yeah. And the, the Mirage has the teeny little wheels and tires, so that actually helps a lot with handling and direction change. Exactly. So anyway, let's move on. Fair enough. Oh, my God, I guess that's mine. <laughs> describe your perfect winter... Describe your perfect winter beater. Um, you use theoretical... What makes a good winter beater uh, or car? Uh, reliable? That's to be number one. <laughs> reliable? Heat? Heat's good. And then, yeah, I, I usually go for something that's stupid. Cheap for me. Yeah, cheap. Cheap, reliable. And I am going to go with... Uh, so, Something that I can make money on when I sell it in spring. I think I would go with a V70R six-speed. For a winter beater? Yeah. Mm. I would probably have to say, you know, just because of... All right, so I use my winter beaters to justify me buying a car I've always wanted. Okay. But I have no <laughs> reason to actually want to really buy it. Oh, so like me and the Toyota FJ Cruiser. Exactly. Like you, okay. it, you use it to like, just like, I want this car. Those oh, hey, always this, is, cool. this is justification. <laughs> yeah. I you're would you're say, finding a use for the thing you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would want to get a the dual rear wiper Toyota Camry wagon. Camry wagon, yep. Yep. One of those. Those are V6 so manual if possible. Or I'd be okay with a four-cylinder. I don't care. That or a uh, V20 Camry Alltrack. Uh, V20 is the one before that. That's gen? their 87 through 91. Yeah, yeah. So that's a second gen, right? Yeah, second gen. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I can remember the third and fourth, and then I kind of do my math away <laughs> from that, and I remember the ES is one gen before the Camry. So like a second gen Camry is a first gen ES. Yes. And like that, I don't know. Sorry, we have a, a, a Twitch comment so I'm just letting them know that I don't have the chat open, so it's yes. harder to... Uh, but yeah, that that would probably be my... Like, a realistic thing I would buy for a winter beater. Yeah. Otherwise, like, honestly, the Honda Element, I think it's super good. But <laughs> Super I, cheap. Again, it's it's entirely used for me to, like, get cars that I wouldn't otherwise want to get, so I'm sure... Right, but it's got to be interesting and something you don't care about. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's so tough. as I say, there's a third one I'm going to put on this list, a Buick Riata. All right. With the CRT touchscreen. Of course. How is that going to work in negative 20? Terribly, probably. But uh, <laughs> as long as the heat's on, which it will be, it'll Well, be yeah, fine. it's a W body. It's going to have a good heater. Yeah. I would get that just because there's a small part of me that's always <laughs> wanted one, and I don't really like it at all. 
Why so. not get like a Trofeo? That's up there too. <laughs> oh, W platform. All with a set of winter tires, it'd be fine. But again, it would be just these two weird oh. W platforms that I, I, I'm oddly curious about. Honestly, my my answer in the past would have been E30 because they're just great, but they're too expensive now. Even yeah. a crappy one is way too much money. Exactly. And so it's, E46, that should be a really good one. Yeah, you I can, would. You can get totally a, get an E46. Kind of okay, manual one for like fifteen hundred bucks these days. My thing is, you find one that comes from not Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You drive it for one winter and then you sell it in spring. Not even just one, dude. If you get it from. Anywhere that doesn't have salt normally, you can drive it five, six winters with no problem and still well, turn no, a considerable profit. Yeah, but then you buy another one and you just make that profit faster. Maybe, but you're going to... I mean, this $1,500 mythical rust-free 46 exists, but you're going to have to do the cooling system on it. You're going to have to put money into it. So yeah, doing that true. over and over again is annoying. That would be annoying. So if you keep it that, for four yeah. or five years and not have any problems, yeah, eh, perfect. And then that's kind of where it leads me to like weird Camrys and stuff. Yeah. Because... Something you can buy one set of winter tires for and migrate cars would be nice, too. <clears throat> that is a big plus. Something that has anything that's a four by one hundred lug pattern and has like a brake that's small AE enough to fit one Corolla five speed. A, 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 and it has a brake system small enough to fit a thirteen inch wheel. What I just said. Yeah, AE one hundred one. Oh man, no AE one hundred two wagon. Oh, those aren't cheap enough. No, you can. They cost the same. Really? Those are. I've, I've seen like two of those in my entire life. They are so cheap. Really? Yeah, they Those don't are cost so anything. so cool, man. I know, they're really cool cars. That is, okay, every time I get asked about, like, uh, somebody with, like, a kid that's coming up and needs a car, like, no. what should we get them? A102. Like, or I got like a 93 to 97 Toyota Corolla. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. That. Yeah, 93, 97 That's just Corolla's. the answer. That's it. That or a 87 through 97 Camry. Nah, 91 through 90. No, 87 through 91 is the you don't want v- a... V20. They yeah, you don't 3S. want one of those. Those what? rust too. Those rust too quickly. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It's a winter car going to a teenager. No, you really do want the next gen because right. that one had the luxurious crap from all the Lexus pullovers. That is true. That's yes. actually a really solid car. That had the Onion article like Toyota urges 92 Camry owners to please buy a new damn car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, next one. <clears throat> um, let's see. I can do that one. Yeah, please. Uh, does walking, biking, busing, or train, i.e. public transit or hippie stuff, make somebody less of an enthusiast? Yes. I don't think it does. No, it it's not a bad thing. I don't, no, I don't think it does because those people just don't want to buy a boring beater. That's what I mean. That's fine. Like, that's... But they still have enthusiastic vehicles sometimes. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, but it's, I know a lot of people that are super into cars, like really into cars. That commute, no, I'm not like saying it's a bad. I'm not winter. saying it's a bad thing, but it is technically making you less of an enthusiast. Why? Just because they don't take a car when they could? Yeah. Oh, okay. That that's literally <laughs> like what an enthusiast would be. Okay. It's like I'm a bike. I'm a bicycling enthusiast. Sure. Okay. I drive my car everywhere. So it takes their 100% yeah. car pie Which, and cuts like 15% of it out yeah, to be and a bicycle enthusiast. And again, it, it's, yes, okay. it does make you less of an enthusiast, but that's perfectly okay. I, I, there's nothing, I can't fault you on that. Right. I mean, I, I feel like my answer would potentially change as time goes on too, because with the advent of like electric vehicles, the reason to bike or walk or public transit is just like if you can't afford an EV or if there's a parking concern. Because right now, the only times I take transit like that is when I'm going to either get super hammered somewhere mm-hmm. or I can't park 
where I'm going. Exactly. Which, I mean, there's a, a good reason for that, but does that make me less of an enthusiast just because I'm doing that and I don't want to pay for That's $20 a good point. for parking? So, well, this is a thing. I went through this existential crisis with <laughs> internal combustion engines. Okay. And because, yeah, EVs are really cool and everything. Sure. But I went through the existential crisis of like being like into classic cars and everything. I sat there and I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it does technically make me less of a classic car enthusiast. I'm not daily driving a classic car. But I I d- it doesn't matter. Just because you're not using it on a day-to-day basis doesn't mean you're not as into it. Well, that's the thing. I don't use the Titanic ever. That's I true. think that's pretty cool. That's a good point. But I mean... I think, I'm not sure if it's a good point, but that's a point I made. I, no, I, I, I think <laughs> technically speaking on a just strictly like if we boil it down to like just the most basic, just like accounting form. Sure. Like, yeah, it does technically, but it doesn't matter, you know? Well, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that that's not part of the question that was asked. I mean, it's like, does it make you less of an enthusiast? Yeah, probably. Does it matter? Hell no. It, exactly. That, and that's what I'm boiling it down to. It's just like... Okay. It, it's like I choose to be like, yeah, if, if it makes you less of an enthusiast, so it makes you happier, that's fine. I'm well, I mean, it makes your life easier. Technically, I'm technically less of a classic car enthusiast because I like modern EVs. But does that make well, me happier? Cause... Yeah, because I don't want to have to drive a 90 okay. Cressida through winter. So, harking back to this, we've covered, I guess, a couple of times it's come up. So, in your mind, your enthusiasm pool in life is 100 units. So in order to be a pure car enthusiast, all of your enthusiasm units goes into that. Yes. So if you develop a new hobby, let's say it's completely different. Computers. PC gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say that now takes up... 20. 20%. Units. So that, that takes some of your car enthusiasm away, because it does, because you're not spending as much exactly. time with the this car. This is exactly what I'm getting at. Okay. Yeah. I so think that's, I, what, that's what I'm getting at. I'm inclined to agree. And... That's also why I'm saying I don't care because that, you know, instead of being 100% cars all the time, yeah, that, you know, 60, 50% cars yeah. is much more enjoyable. If you eat nothing but Indian food, you get bored of it. Yeah, that's true. And that's the thing. And it's like, even if you're the most diehard Indian food enthusiast, you're going to have to have like the most ridiculous hit of Indian food to have the best Indian food ever. Well, I mean, if you different restaurants, you could do it for a long time. But that's, but that's, that's I mean. That's but, like the Irish potato famine. But it's like if you love Indian food and you get the Amy's microwavable uh, paneer tikka masala, which is actually pretty good. Um, that is so specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you get that, you're like, wow, this is really good. Uh, yeah, you still love Indian food, dude. Like, sure. it's great. You know what? You just got the same kick from a slightly smaller, lower quality serving of Indian food, but you still got the kick of it. That's so. almost better related to the commuter vehicle <laughs> we were talking about than this one. It's, but the, it's the same realm. I feel like I Scott's going through this like, existential crisis on his commute to work. Maybe, and we're actually... Jana's got a really great doctor. We're going to have Scott on the podcast at some point here <laughs> because we can cover a lot of this stuff the way he wants to cover it too, and I think he'd actually be a pretty good guest because he is very intelligent when it comes to a lot of this stuff, but... Uh, in short, yes, it does make you less of an enthusiast just because you can't devote as much brain power, time, and effort to your cars. Yes. Uh, would conventional wisdom disagree with our answer? Yeah. Really? Conventional wisdom would be, yes, you're spending less time in a car. So it would agree with us. Oh, disagree. Yeah. It said, would conven- it says I disagree. Think con- 
Yeah. Would would it disagree with us? And you said yes, it should agree with us. So that should be no. I meant to say yes, it would disagree. It Cause, no, because it would person, agree with us. Well, no, we would agree with us. But I think if you ask some random guy, like if you go out and find some does random, does conventional wisdom agree with our opinion? That's no. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Because conventional wisdom would say that yes, using your bicycle or tr- car or whatever. Uh, Walking or whatever makes you less of a car enthusiast. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, okay, that's all I'm getting at. Okay, yeah, all right, that's <clears> where you're trying to get it. And then the last uh, portion here, would Modi agree? It, no, it doesn't say agree, so would Modi, and the answer is no, Modi would not. Modi would not what? I don't know. Okay. It just, it doesn't have, it, that's a sentence fragment. All right, fine. Would Modi, no. <laughs> Modi, Modi doesn't. All right, next one. <clears throat> would you trade a lower... Would you trade lowering city speed limits to 20 or 25 from 30 in exchange for raising freeway speed limits from 55 to 60 or 65, not counting those weirdo, like, 45-mile-an-hour stoplight streets? <laughs> okay. Um, um, you know, I would. I, I think I would, too, as long as the Dimler Amendment stays in place at 65. And what's a Dimler Amendment? Dimler Amendment is in the state of Minnesota. If you get a ticket for doing 10 or fewer miles per hour over on a 55 road, it does not go on your driving record. Okay. So as long as that's maintained so I can do 75 in a 65, 100%. Yeah, I agree. 100% I'm on board. My other thing is how often do people really – get cited for going ridiculously fast on a side road. Like, I'm okay going 30, 25. Honestly, yeah, I bet not that often. Yeah, 30 people or 35. generally, studies have, I, I think they've, if they've shown this. I mean, people will go as fast as they feel safe going on exactly. roads generally. And on the stuff with those, a bunch of driveways and stoplights, I don't you're really go not going to get people, you're not going to get people going more than 40, 45 on those roads. No, I really don't want to go faster no, on those. because there's I, too many driveways. I don't want to hit somebody. Yeah, I drive around my neighborhood. My neighborhood speed limit's 30, but I drive maybe around 25, 20. I drive 40 in your, like, old Richfield neighborhood. Well, no, I'm talking in St. Louis Park. Oh, okay. Richfield's yeah. different. St. Louis Park. Ri- Richfield, you don't have any trees or anything, and right. you have very really clear good, view. Yeah, big front yards. <laughs> yeah, you can see when somebody's coming. <laughs> right. But it's like I don't. I don't, I would feel terrible if I like, took out my neighbor's dog. Like I don't want to kill Poppy. She's cute. Poppy. That's my neighbor's dog's name. She's very oh. cute. She's fuzzy and it's fantastic. Um, but no, it's I don't know. I would I would rather that I just am able to speed on the highway because if you hit anything on the highway, you're gonna kill it anyway. All right, and it's designed for speed. Like, yeah. modern interstates can handle, like, 90. No problem. Yeah, have you ever been to Georgia? Everybody <sighs> goes... Unfortunately, n- yes, I have. Everybody goes 90, 95, like they're trying to get somewhere. Oh, well, it's, it's like Texas, get- man. Well, <laughs> it, the problem is when Georgia traffic happens, it, like, happens in the biggest way possible. So oh, yeah. It's well, like, I, I've driven through go, Atlanta and Russia. You go right. 90 when you can. <laughs> Making up for it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just picturing these donks with the Cookie Monster themes doing 90. That's... You're not wrong. <laughs> All the entire time I was there, yeah, that's what it was. Do you think safety would be better or worse with something like this? I think it'd be safer. I think so too, because you're the population dense areas. You're lowering the speed limit. How many people get killed by? How many pedestrians and bicyclists get killed on the freeway? I think most of this kind of crap happens at intersections. Yeah. So like, a bunch. Freeways are not a problem. And whenever you hear about somebody dying on a freeway, it's like way out in the middle. Idiot. It's like way out in the middle of nowhere where you have a stoplight on. And it's natural selection. Yeah. Or it's somebody in their X3 going up a bridge embutment. Well, it was also in Slovenia, so they're 
or Slovakia. I can't remember which I think one. Slovakia. But, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they were probably <laughs> drunk. Part B for the follow-up question: Would this reduce frustration? Yes. Ah, uh, would it? Yeah. I don't think people are really that frustrated with speed limits. No, I think people are more frustrated when they're uh, on the highway because you're not frustrated when you're in the city. I I don't know. I, if I'm still going to get people sitting in the left lane doing five under, I don't think my frustration level is going to change. Mm, that, then I think what we need is to bring back the guillotine. <laughs> would you, angry, you heard it here first, folks, bringing back the guillotine for driver punishment. Would it... Angry old people get more or less angry? Um, probably more because they're so used to... Perfect example. Old people on the stretch of Highway 169 that is now 60 instead of 55 like it's been forever, they still go 55 on it because be they fair, don't I, like change. I, I, I do get caught up on that, but it's just muscle memory at this point. As if you ever go the speed limit. I do. Uh, okay. I drive a modern vehicle. My van insurance is significantly more expensive than my old Supra. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the same with my Fiat. And but, like, which is shocking to me, but it's a thing. My Porsche Boxster S was significantly cheaper to insure than my electric Fiat 500. What? Yeah. Full coverage, same deductibles, everything. Significantly cheaper. Thanks, insurance companies. You yeah. clearly know what you're doing. Suck a phallus. So I think old people get more angry because they're going to get pestered more because they don't know that they're doing something even more wrong than they were already doing before. I think you should just be allowed to lay on your horn. But if they're sitting at home rocking in their Werther's wingback or whatever the hell, yeah, Yeah. they're going to be happier because people are going to be going 10 miles an hour slower in their neighborhood. I think angry old people are just going to continue to be angry regardless. Fine, yeah, their frustration level will stay the same because it's already at peak anger. That's like maxing out a GPU. All right. You just mad. like you wake up in the morning and you just hit 100 percent until you go to sleep again. Drop to zero. Yeah, you're just, just gonna like, be pissed. Always angry. No war. This wasn't this bad. All right. So. Um, okay. We got one. Was, we got one more. One. Best driving roads you know of within the MSB metro area. So defining that within the uh, metro area, it's within about 40 miles of the center of town. So let's pick Roseville as the center. 40 minute. Donut. So that gets you into Exerbia pretty much everywhere. I wouldn't say Roseville. I'd say... Roseville is between Minneapolis and St. Paul. Oh, I guess you're right. So it's pretty much right in the middle of the loop. Uh, Maybe a little north, but... I'm going to say the um, uh, Mississippi River Parkway uh, in uh, St. Paul. That's that's really good. It's a really good road. There is... Um, I don't know the name. I should probably actually look it up on the map. But if you come off of 55 and you go up Theoworth North... Yes. And then you hop on some, like, weird elevated concrete thing. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like, it goes near Uptown, kind of, but it's, like, still in North Minneapolis, technically. It's on the south side of that. That's a really, really bomb road. It's not super-duper long, but nobody it's drives fine. on it. Nobody yeah. knows it's there, so you could really carve that thing up. But uh, the obvious answer is go out to, like, Stillwater and take river roads. Yes, I mean, that- that's... That's 40 minutes. That's kind of on the hairy edge. The Opus Industrial Complex. There's also a road in Egan. If you take 494 south off of... I'm going to open up maps because there's no sense in just doing this. Uh, Oh, uh, Lilydale Road when it's not floated out is fantastic. Where is that? That's just... It's underneath the Smith Street Bridge along the Mississippi in in, uh, St. Paul. It's on the opposite side of the Mississippi from Shepherd. I should probably know where that is, but I totally Oh, don't. dude, it's a great road, but it's, like, usually flooded out. 
Um, thanks, global warming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's. Uh, I'm just trying to explain to you. All right, so do you know where like Plato and like State Street are, where like the street racing used to happen? Yeah, of course. So that street that you used to get from like to that on the south end of State Street. Yeah. If you continue following that southbound along the river. I guess that, I've never taken that road. Yeah, that it, it gets to a really, really awesome road that goes through the Lilydale State Park, and it's all curvy. Nobody ever drives on it. And it's covered by woods and everything. It's a great <laughs> place to, like, smoke a deer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I assume you mean hit, not actually, like, uh, put it in, like, a meat smoker. and. Yes. Okay, I think it's highway or, uh, Road 3 right here. Okay, yeah, I see This that. road right here is bomb that looks like a great it's road. really good it so goes to just nowhere i can show all you from 494 i'll show you my, uh lilydale road if you scroll up on that map now zoom in a lot over by mississippi industrial or mississippi national river and recreational to your right that, uh, right below downtown st paul scroll in just keep sure keep scrolling scroll 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 seriously oh wow i'm retarded i haven't had the screen grab open all right there we go <laughs> Now it is. Um, keep scrolling. I, I'm working on it. It's being slow. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see where Smith Street Bridge is. All right, so Smith Avenue South. Yep. Right there. That road below it. This one? That one. Oh, dude, yeah. That I, road is great. It is, actually. I, I, I drove on that for the first time just killing battery in the Fiat the other day. Yeah, that that's Lilydale Road. That one's fantastic. That is really good. And, yeah, the Shepherd on the it, other side is not does, as good. But Lilydale is really It does good. not look like anything. When, when you, you get s- up to the Yacht Club up here, Yeah. oh, yeah, this little turnaround up here is really even excellent. Even the rest of it, because it doesn't look like there's that much. But The only problem is the visibility around corners is really bad, and it's really narrow. Yeah. But the thing is, if you do that at night, it's great, because nobody's uh, ever down there. I need to show people three again all right so yeah <laughs> a 494 up here by sunfish lake if you go south on three uh, i'm gonna wait until the encoding catches up there we go so if you go south on three here this road the speed limit's pretty low but if you can get out of the way of people it the elevation and like the scenery like i think this is one of the best roads in minnesota that i've driven on what's the one that uh flying cloud drive turns into oh down by a uh, lion's tap yeah Cause that's another good road. That actually is pretty good. Let's go over that one's there. More, like if you have a muscle car, it's a great road. Yeah. So one sixty nine. So it's just there on their side, opposite of Valley Fair. And some of these other roads, I come off it. Some of these switchbacks are really good. Yeah. So if so you take 61, Flying Cloud, I think it. That's yeah. Sixty one right there. Sixty one Flying Cloud. Yeah. Because that also has a lot of really good kind of switchback roads there over there. Yeah, one hundred one right up there. Is really good. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff actually. Going from here, Motorplex to yeah. Craig's house, where you're gonna go for the GPU. Yes. There's a couple of really fun roads there too. Yeah. Because um, yeah, the, the elevation with the the River Valley is just. I mean, g- coming down that road into Lions Tap from Flying Cloud. Yeah. That elevation change tells you all you need to know about the roads around there. Yeah. There's, you, there's a if bunch you're of good stuff. if you uh you can't see on the map, but the, it's probably about what 400 feet. Yeah. Like it. Du- yeah, I mean, it doubles. It doubles the elevation. You could engine brake in fifth the entire way down and not lose any speed for a mile. Yes. At least. Probably more than a mile. Um, those are, yeah, those are my There's a lot of really good ones. Um, also, I want to note uh, McGinty Road also in Wyzetta. MC? M-C-G-I-N-T-Y. 
Yeah, McGinty Road West right there. This guy give it a few minutes to zoom out quite a bit. Oop. The scrolling's reversed on this thing, so. Wow, nerd. Well, I didn't do that. I don't know how to turn it Now, around. go east on the map. This is our test driver out at Maury's. This? Yeah. Okay. That's a really good road. A lot of elevation changes. It's actually this section right here looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. It, after you get out of that, it's elevation changes and off camber turns. Hmm. Yeah. Really, really good. Every one of those turns that you see, those little tiny ones are all off camber. So what you're saying, and what we're summing up as, any anywhere that's near where rivers or lakes have been. Wherever there are rivers and lakes. And there's and a relatively major road. Relatively major road nearby to, that takes traffic off of the fun one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, the roads we're talking about are not high-traffic roads. No, these are all very low traffic. Very low traffic. And it's like McGinty, you know, you can, you can hit like 60, 70 miles an hour. Allegedly. Then not, not have trouble at all. There's Excellent. Many a salesperson has been fired from Maury's for getting speaking tickets on test drives. Speaking of, <laughs> I, uh, I had a loaner when I had Mr. Wags in for some recall work earlier this week. Did you burn out of it? No, because it's all-wheel drive, and it was a four-cylinder. But, like, I wonder if they, like, have data loggers in those things because I drove that car like just a complete they don't complete ignorance idiot. is bliss yeah I mean I, I commented to Corey when I got to the house I'm like this car smells hot <laughs> <laughs> like and it was like 20 degrees outside like, it does not smell four, happy. 400 miles on the odometer I'm like I'm probably just like burning stuff off the engine that's never been hot before <laughs> or something just but like ruining it just it smelled <laughs> it smelled hot <laughs> So, I don't know. It was a, a 430i X-Drive Auto Grand Coupe. Good Lord. It's nothing I want at all. The, uh, they look good because it's it's one of those things where they call it a coupe, but it's a sedan. So, they, they cut down they the, the roof height quite yeah, a bit. It's called a sedan. And they put pillarless doors on it, which is kind of cool. But, I mean, this this engine, man, they keep bumping the power and trying to improve it. But, like, it just it's slower than Mr. Wags. It just sucks. It's it's so bad, and it's gonna nuke the timing chain anyway. I so think like, I, they should bring back the term "holiday" for a car. What do you mean? So, uh, it's like the Oldsmobile uh, 88s yeah. from like the 1950s. Is this like a triplet or something? Well, no, it's it's a style of sedan. Okay. Well, it's actually a style of coupe technically, but you can make a four-door coupe, but it's called a holiday coupe. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, they should bring that back that term because that's actually a more so accurate term. So what does it term. mean? So I guess from my understanding, because uh, I actually had to look it up for when I did an article on the Infiniti J30, the most riveting car Nissan's ever made. Um, the Holiday Coupe is a sport, a sporty sedan. Those it's exactly what they're calling coupes these days that are those four door like slick top cars. They're called Holiday Coupes. Interesting. Yeah. I, okay, I've never even heard of this, which is actually a little surprising. It's a really obscure term, but basically what it is, is it's a car that would otherwise be just a standard coupe, Okay, but you're meant to fit a family in it. Oh, yeah, that's a way better term than calling a Ford or a sedan a coupe. A Grand Sport or whatever the... Whatever so call, call it like a hand uh, holiday sedan or something? Yeah, a holiday sedan, or a, just call it a holiday, because that's what it was technically called. It's called a holiday. So you can get like, you can get an Oldsmobile 88, you get uh, you can get in the sedan, the hardtop sedan, the wagon, or the holiday. Okay. And the holiday is the oh. Yeah. So this is like back in the fifties when they differentiated like just little model subtlety changes with well, like a, an they, entire. Well, because they were totally different. Like if you see a, a Oldsmobile eighty eight 
hardtop sedan versus a 88 sedan. They are totally different vehicles. Hmm. Are, are you looking it up? No, I, oh. Nick is apparently here. And the Why door is he here? Locked. I don't know. He's just stopping by to say hi, I guess. Okay, cool. Good for him. <laughs> hi, Nick. <laughs> um, <laughs> sounded so offended. Like, why the <laughs> hell is he here? Oh, we're just to in the episode. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I can Google something for you if you want. But but no, so once you, if you want to Google that holiday, uh, like a Rocket 88 holiday, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about here. Um, but yeah, this is a, a more accurate term for what it is. And it's a much more fun word than Grand Coupe. Yeah. So, so that still looks like a two-door. That is a two-door. But if you look next to it, that is what a, a holiday is. Oh, is sure, sure, sure. Because they had... Four-door. The, yeah, it's a four-door, but they it's a pillarless four-door. Does this have a straight eight in it? Uh, no, it's V8. Oh. The 88s are always V8. It was the Buick that you were thinking of. The oh, yeah. Buick Super 8. You're right. Um, but, yeah, so you get one of these with the um, the... This is what the holiday is because it, it's like a coupe. Don't you, you just love when you click on a website to make it bigger or a photo on a website to make it bigger and it makes it smaller? I know, right? But um, it, it looks like it would be a coupe, but it's actually yeah. a sedan. I, and I that's agree. what it is. It's a holiday. Because then if you look up if you look up a uh, Oldsmobile 88 hardtop sedan, you'll see the difference. This is riveting for the audio people. I know, I right? Uh, that's a right. terrible photo. Here, yeah, let's go with that thing? older one. Yeah, because they uh, that was the first year they did the uh, the uh, that was the first year they did the holiday coupe. Is this isn't a holiday though, is it? No, this one is a sedan. Oh. So you see how it actually has a pillared door. It yeah. is like most definitely a sedan body oh, style. Oh wow, that thing's ugly. Yeah. So the the holiday is. A coupe that they just added two extra doors to. Sure, and that's and what it looks like. That's ex- it versus what the actual sedans look like. So yeah, this is the big difference in these because that one totally. If you extend that driver's door back to where that body line yeah, kind of I mean, dips down for the rear end, like that's where you should have the door. Well, so I mean, we just saw that in the yeah. results. I think actually right here. Because yeah, that's a coupe. Yeah, that's a holiday. Yep. So exactly. yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah, massive, massive difference. I like so. that. Why? Yes, that's fine. I, I don't mind the shape of a coupe usually, but I want four doors. Yeah, and I think I think what people are looking for for holidays. And so actually, now how I found out about all this, I don't even want to know. <laughs> in, how um, much? You know uh, the Infiniti J30 dump driver driver dump. Yeah, <laughs> it, this is actually for Japanese nostalgia. Group. Oh, fine. <laughs> yes, um, I know the J30. The J30 was te- it was called the J Fiore. In okay. Japan. What does that mean? Because Fure is French for holiday. Oh, Fure. Fure, yeah. That. Okay. So, I was going to say, I speak French and that's not true. So the uh, the J comes from the chassis code for the um, the Nissan Leopard. Okay. Uh, which was their coupe. But yeah, they wanted to make it a four-door coupe, so they made it a holiday coupe. Okay. So they made a holiday coupe when compared to the Maxima, so that's the big difference in them. So yeah, that's where that term came, or not the Maxima, the uh, Q45. So that's oh, the yeah. difference. Yeah. So that that's. I always wh- think of Colt 45 when I hear Q45. <laughs> I know, right? So yeah, that that's where that's how I found out about the the holiday uh, term for a a style of car. I think that's they're extremely popular now. I don't know why. Why the hell they don't just use that term? Because that's what it is. It's a holiday. Maybe it's like trademarked or something. So no, it's can't. not. Because it, 
Infinity used it. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. And Oldsmobile's defunct. That is true. I love that badge, though. Holiday. I know, right? Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, yeah, BMW 430i Holiday. Uh, it doesn't really fit that well with that, Yeah, I what's guess. German for holiday? Probably, like, an 18-syllable angry-sounding word. Perfect. Like, the Floggens Flubenpaftig. Yeah, that <clears throat> sounds perfect. Yeah, it's a lot better than Grand Coupe. Also, speaking of that, these 50s cars are getting really affordable now. It's because nobody wants them, because all the people that bought these things when they were young. I know, but I kind of want one. <laughs> I would totally take a Rocket 88 holiday like that because those are going for about 10 grand less than they did at their peak. Okay. Like they were just falling off of a cliff for value. Oh, dude, I know. Especially like the odd. I think these were probably way less expensive to buy than Coupe secondhand, right? Actually, I think it was the holiday was the one like the one to have. Really? No, is the convertible is the most the most sought after. Okay. But the holiday was like right up there with the convertible. Hmm. Well, that's interesting that that has been desirable then, because I mean that's the one I would want if I was looking for a fifty-five, whatever the crap this is, which I'm not looking for it. Yeah, but I mean like that's the thing is like it, the convertibles are still insane, but everything that's not a convertible is still really cheap. And actually, oddly enough, the wagons have retained their value. Good, because wagons are the best. Yeah, like they they. They peaked at like way less than all the other ones, but they haven't gone down. So, oh, the, it's a wagon. Does that surprise you? No, but I think it's really awesome that the baby boomer that bought the quote unquote wrong car in 1996 has the right car now. Yes. Because his car is still worth money, and the guy with the Holiday Coupe is falling off of a cliff. So, well, I mean, the Holiday Coupe is still better than a regular Coupe because it has the right number of doors. I, it's a gorgeous car. Also, I wonder how flimsy that back door feels with the all four it's doors. It's got to be just awful. Because it's pillarless. It's pillarless. Yeah. And it's got four doors. So, and it's not suicide doors. So it's just got a stump of a support. I, I think it connects to the seat because it has a bench seat on it. So oh, I think sh- the bench seat acts kind of like a stroke. And it's body on frame. Mm. This is not good. No. Nishgate. Uh, I will tell you if I could sit with the semi truck, the semi truck will oh. go literally through the car. You might actually be safe if the truck goes between where you guys are all sitting. Just punches <laughs> a hole straight through the car. Yeah, I'll just knock you out of the no, car. No, you'll probably die immediately. Yeah, you'll go yeah. right under it. Well, at least you're not going to feel it. Yeah, no, it'll be instantaneous. So, so maybe that should be the bombshell for the episode. I think so. The bombshell is if you get an Oldsmobile, get the Rocket 88 Holiday Coupe. So if you get T-boned by a semi-truck, you you're die not, quicker. You're not going to feel it. You'll be okay. Yeah. There you go. You're still going to die, but just more quicklier. Thank you for listening to Motor Cult and our sage advice. And we have will, a happy new year. Yeah, have a happy new year, <laughs> and we'll be back next year potentially with a new name. All righty, guys. Take right, care. Bye.